Hello, and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThinkSciComm. The opinions shared by the presenters today are our own and do not necessarily represent those of our employers. My name is Kelly Soldevin, and I'm a senior editor with the publisher Taylor & Francis and also a patient with a chronic disease, which makes me particularly passionate about amplifying patient voices. I will be your guest host for today's episode discussing how you, our listeners, can partner with patients throughout the publication process. My guests today are two people that share my passion for patient engagement, not to mention they are experts in this area. Jackie Oliver and Sarah Griffiths, thank you both for joining me. To get us started, Jackie, can you tell our listeners about your current role and its connection to patient initiatives? Hi, yeah. So I'm Jackie Oliver and I'm a scientific director in the Envision the Patient team, which is a specialist team within Envision Pharma Group. A lot of our work's involves um, involving patients throughout the publication life cycle. So that might be looking at publication planning, being part of a publication steering committee, collating patient insights for publications, and then actually involving those patients as co-authors on those publications, and then right through to disseminating publications. And that includes um, reviewing and developing plain language summaries. Thank you so much. And Sarah, we'd love to hear from you about your role and the patient initiatives you've been pursuing. Brilliant. Great. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Sarah Griffiths, and I lead the patient engagement and policy team at Oxford Pharmagenesis. So similar to Jackie, really, we're, um, we work with uh, different pharma clients and patients and patient advocacy groups, uh, and that's throughout the drug development continuum. And in the publication space in particular, um, this includes working with like patient authors and reviewers uh, with health literacy training and guidance and also plain language summaries. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, So I'm going to jump right in here with some questions for you. Well, the first one is, why do you feel that including the patient voice in publications is valuable? I'm going to ask Jackie to start first on that one. Okay, thanks, Kelly. Well, I feel that patients and caregivers have really valuable and unique insights that they can bring to publications. And that's actually sharing their experience of living with a condition on a day-to-day basis, rather than getting a healthcare professional to kind of import and provide their views on what it's like to live with a condition when they only see that person, you know, on, uh, you know, a week-to-week basis. So they really bring different viewpoints into publications that might not have been considered um, previously. And actually, it really helps to improve understanding of the lived experience and identify unmet needs for example about improving patient care or possible new treatments you know what are the new treatments that patients actually want and will use so um, it can actually help improve trust as well in research results ensuring that those publications are relevant and actually understandable to a wider audience and we know actually that involving patients the value is actually increasingly recognized not only from major funders but from publishers as well you know we're seeing more different types of articles that patients can get involved in and we're seeing that increase in patient authorship in peer-reviewed publications but what we also know is that people really do need more guidance actually on how to work with patients 
organizations and publications. Yes, that's so true. Uh, and that's why we're here today to talk about how people can practically move forward with involving patients and involving the patient voice. So Sarah, can you speak a little bit to the value of including patients in publications? Yeah, I think I think Jackie's covered loads of it. It's, it's so important, I think, particularly for, you know, you, you want to challenge assumptions. Uh, people go through life and they read the medical literature, whether you're an HCP, an expert in the field or newly exploring it, you're a medical writer, a pub specialist, whatever. You kind of have your assumptions potentially about what it's like as a patient, but hearing it directly is super powerful. It also uncovers some issues that people probably, you don't know, you don't know. And, you know, historically, medicine, pharma is very top down. And it's for patients. That's ultimately what this is all for. So capturing their voice, hearing what they have to say, I think can only help benefit the equality, diversity, inclusion and accessibility of medical research and literature to a broader audience. So it's one step to to doing that, I think. I really like that point about how the patient voice also captures that whole initiative of DEI, which is diversity, equality and inclusion. And Sarah, I was going to ask you, what are some of the first steps people should take if they, if they want to start including the patient? voice? What are some, we talk about doing it, but what are some first steps they can take? Well, I'd say uh, we're all a lot of us researchers. Do your research. There is a heap of information out there. You know, the latest GPP has got some really good, useful information out there. But there's other resources out there that are in the public domain. I think uh, Jackie's going to talk to those a little later. But also within companies and groups, no matter your size, there's highly likely to be people in your company who've either done this before or who could point you in the right direction, um, whether it's the publications leads, whether at a global or local level, your patient advocacy team leads within marketing or commercial do reach out network ask um, even ask your agencies as well if you're working with different agencies highly likely they've got some experience of the do's and don'ts of working with with patients they're often the ones who are interacting more directly with the patients as well and be open-minded and you know don't be scared just ask and it may be that the time isn't quite right for what you would like to do with you have to think about the right project at the right time but do your groundwork do your research spend a bit of time don't go in there with you know heavy boots because it's delicate you need to treat people carefully but hopefully the rewards will be worth it if you go about it in the right way Yeah, absolutely. I think the rewards will absolutely be worth it. Jackie, Sarah mentioned it's about identifying people to work with. How do you identify the right people to work with on these types of projects of getting the patient voice involved? So yeah, that's a really good point. What Sarah mentioned there was like thinking ahead and not rushing into a project. And it's very important to think about what type of patient do you want for the project? Do you want someone who's going to provide their kind of personal perspectives on what it's like to live with a condition? Or do you want the wide viewpoint from a patient expert or you know a patient advocate who can help kind of represent that wider patient community so I think that's a really good starting point think about the right person for the right role as well as you know which project you're working on and caregivers can be an option as well it's not just a patient because if you're a caregiver for um, a young person living with a condition you know you could involve those in the project as well or equally for older people or someone who's not well enough to provide their you know uh, personal insights you know that caregiver insights are really important as well 
so when you think about, um, so you kind of thought, right, I've, I know what type of patient I want to involve on this, so how do I actually start? And I think actually that personal recommendation actually is a really good starting point, and Sarah just covered that a little bit. Ask people that you actually work with, are there any patients they already work with? Are there any patient councils within your um, group that you can help identify a patient who, who wants to be involved as well, wants to um, put their voice into publications? Because you've got to have someone who is willing to invest the time and is interested actually in being involved in the project and understands what's actually going to be involved, what time commitments are involved as well. Um, so moving on from recommendations, we're increasingly seeing uh, patients being involved at major conferences or involved in webinars. And we saw a lot of that at the ISMAP meeting at the patient's first meeting. It was really great, actually. You know, patients were on roundtables, they were on the podium presenting abstracts and things. So look for those type of patients as well, because you know that they're interested actually you know in in getting their voice into the peer-reviewed publications so that's a really good um, way to look for patients as well so if you're interested in um, having a patient author on a publication one way to try and identify that type of person is to look in PubMed and you can actually identify patient authors because some people now will actually have that as an affiliation so you can actually search PubMed by just searching for patient author or caregiver author there isn't yet a consensus on actually what term should be used or what affiliation and it would be great to get some kind of consensus on that from the wider community because we we know that's a bit of a sticking point not all patients want to be known as you know a patient author so we need the conversation to be moving on that but it is a good way actually of identifying um, possible patient authors but I would say that actually that would be an experienced patient author. There are loads of resources out there now that can help less experienced patient authors to be involved as well. So it doesn't have to be someone who's already published. It's really good to get other people involved as well. And thinking about it um, from wider channels as well, you could look at patient advocacy groups, you could look at social media, patient engagement vendors, you know, there are loads of different channels. But I would say, try and think about the, the right person for the right role. So I um, hope that helps. Oh, that's absolutely incredibly helpful. Of course, every project or initiative, it doesn't always run perfectly. So what happens, like what are some of the barriers that you've encountered during the process of bringing the patient voice in or working on a patient engagement initiative? Sarah, can you talk to us a little bit about that? And then I'll switch over to you, Jackie. Yeah, sure. Um, so the challenges, and I think the challenges can vary at different points along the process, whether from right at the beginning to the end. But I think one of the key things that you could do is part of the planning, because some, like say, if we're thinking right at the beginning, when it comes to publication planning, there have been some people say, oh, you know, cherry picking, or, you know, would we want to just involve a patient on a phase three clinical study, which it wouldn't be appropriate to, for instance, and there's a bit of nervousness potentially around it. So when I've spoken to pubs leads and ISMAP and the conversations that we've had there, people are like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive about this. It might not be compliant. Speak to compliance people early get it part of your publication planning so that it isn't cherry-picked because it won't always be appropriate to include a patient in a publication as an author or a reviewer ties in with what Jackie said it's part of the planning the right patient and it's for the right project as well so so that's a, a common one the other one as well is really thinking carefully about your target journal some are going to be more receptive to patient authors than others. And I know we always talk about this when we speak with publishers. It's a really easy thing to do is just contact the editors, see what their appetite is. 
inherently there's going to be some publishers who are more eager to involve patient authors, more receptive to it, and they really see the value of it. And others, it might be new for them. Um, but yeah, just just communicate with them. And to that point, I spoke about this at ISMAP in uh, the annual meeting. Language for me is a massive thing. We're all communicators, but we forget who we're communicating to and with. We're all very well-educated people and we use acronyms left, right and centre and it can be impenetrable to people. So when you're communicating with patients, no matter through, be clear, be friendly, be appropriate and um, don't litter your emails or communications with a load of mumbo jumbo jargon acronyms because not everyone will feel comfortable in challenging it. I know some are a few have like asked me what does HCP mean what does PLS mean spell it out um you know it isn't always familiar and we often forget that so that would be my advice and don't underestimate being kind and friendly and empathetic when you're communicating with patients it goes a long way yeah absolutely and I love your point as the publisher here bringing a perspective of always reach out to your journal contact an editor someone you know at the publisher because we are more than happy to talk to you about what we can and cannot do. I can speak on the behalf of Taylor and Francis and many of the people I know at ISMAP that are in publishing that we very much support getting patient authors on board. So uh, now, Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about some of the barriers you've encountered and how you've overcome them? Yeah, sure. So I just want to pick up on one point that Sarah um, mentioned then about the kind of jargon that we use. And actually, you have to be aware that some patients may not be familiar with the whole publication process. They might not understand what the peer review process means. So one really good way of kind of overcoming that is to provide a clear, plain language overview of the steps involved in the publication process, right through from your initial kickoff calls to actually submitting it, peer review comments, dissemination of the publication afterwards. So that can really help. And then that would help um, having that really clear overview as well can help the patient understand what their time commitment is, because you do have to take that um, into consideration as well. I would also uh, recommend having plain language versions of good publication practice guidelines. So, you know, that the patient authors understand their roles and responsibilities and how they can actually meet authorship for that publication. Plain language versions of authorship agreements or at least an overview of, you know, what that authorship agreement actually means can help as well. And there are lots of training courses as well available for patient authors, such as the the WeCan um, patient training course as well that um, goes kind of through a step by, it's four different modules and it's a step by step overview of, you know, the different steps involved and it helps build the confidence of the patient authors. So definitely look out there for all those resources. Another thing I see as a barrier is actually just be aware that a, a patient or caregiver may be juggling so many other commitments. You know, they may be attending healthcare appointments, other job commitments, just family life in, in, in general as well. And I think that's really key to bear that in mind, you know. So be flexible. I'd say that's a really key point over when you're making, you know, your timelines for the project. Just be aware that when you are arranging meetings, you know, don't do it to fit the company or the publisher or the medical writing team. Think about what, what time the patient is going to it's going to be fitting with their schedule um, and, and be flexible as well because you know they may not be well and they may not be able to make that um, meeting so building that contingency into the timelines as well and provide that early no- notice of actually you know what the deadlines are uh, so just be realistic actually about the timelines that are actually involved 
one other barrier I think a lot of patients um, may face and we're very familiar with using all the different kind of Zoom and Teams and you know all that different software and publication software but you know if you're working with patients and caregivers they may not be familiar with that so you know you need to bear that in mind and think well how is the best way to um, have a chat with them about you know how can they provide input on these documents they may prefer to do it just over a phone call or email again it's being flexible I think that's really important and have an an initial um, call with a patient as well to make sure that they do understand how the software works and it's all working correctly because you know we turn up on these calls and we always have issues don't we so it's nice to for them to understand you know it's not just them that it might not work for you know we all have issues with software just give them the confidence and familiarity with this uh, software can just help them to really uh, fully participate in in the project And as part of that, my last point would probably be to just have a key point of contact for the patient. So if they have any questions like, oh, the software's not working or I can't make that meeting, it's just one person that they contact. It's not that they've got to think, oh, well, who can I contact today to find out the problem to that? So I think a key point of contact as well can really facilitate involvement. Um, So that would be another point that I would make. We've found from working with with patients that, you know, there may be a level of imposter syndrome as well. You know, when they're looking at reviewers' comments, they're like, but but this important doctor has said this and I don't quite agree. How do we manage that? You know, and it may well be that you need like a separate meetings with them throughout the process. So their voice is on an equitable platform as some of the, you know, the medics are. But also, as Jackie said, being that point of contact and that advocate as such for the patient author is quite important whether that's the pub's lead or the the medical writing agency just to help support and guide that person through the whole process is is really helpful um, definitely worth doing and also just I remembered another barrier payment that's always a tricky one ah. Um, <laughs> ah, the elephant in the room <laughs> I know there's guidance within GPP and different companies have different approaches to it it's always worth checking with your own in company internally what their approach is to reimbursement of patients um, it's an evolving situation um, and whilst patients may not want to be reimbursed for their time if they're doing it out of you know altruistic reasons you know, always ask, always ask what their preferences are, ask how they prefer to be reimbursed within the context of knowing what the policies are, is what I'd say. Right, right. And just very quickly, before we move on to the wrapping up, Jackie, you mentioned a training program. Was it WECAN as in W-E-C-A-N? I just want to make sure that our listeners can find it. Yeah, it's the WECAN um, training course. It's free to access, um, set up in four easy to use modules, and it just kind of goes on a step-by-step guide throughout the, the process. So I'd really recommend looking at that if you're looking to help provide a training course for patients that's free. Wonderful. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. So I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up today. And that is if you can leave our listeners with one key takeaway to aid in their engaging patients or getting the patient voice into their publications, what would that be? And I'm going to go to you, Jackie, first. What would be your key takeaway? My key takeaway, it would be 
the end of the project, don't just assume that, you know, the project's gone well. Ask the patients how they thought it went. So there are patient authorship experience surveys that are available for people to fill in. Um, so, you know, you find out, you know, what went well? Did they enjoy taking part? Um, what challenges did they face? Because you can't assume that everything has worked. There are, are likely to have been challenges. And by addressing them, then you um, improve future collaborations as well. So it's not just looking at the publication metrics, you know, when a for a patient authored publication, it's actually asking the patients about their experience of being involved and what the quality of patient engagement is. So that would be my key takeaway. Thank you. And, and Sarah, your takeaway? It's around asking again, not so much as asking for the experience. I would ask people who are considering doing this, um, I'd ask them to put themselves in the shoes of the patient always have that in mind so that will help guide you in how you communicate and what you can do to make this a valuable and worthwhile experience for those patients and tied into what Jackie said if patients have a great experience then they're likely to say I had a great experience working with XYZ on this amazing project and they spread the word so it's kind of a win-win situation and then on the flip side if it doesn't go so well then you know you, you don't want that new spreading idea but it will so I just try and be considerate and mindful and empathetic to patients who are giving up their time and energy whilst they're dealing with their own health, just to always be mindful of them at the end of the day. Well, I'm going to take this right out of your words, Sarah. I've had a fabulous experience today talking to both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners for listening to Informed for Medical Communication Professionals. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, inform your colleagues, and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today. We hope you will also join us at an upcoming ISMAPU webinar or even consider becoming a member of our association. Just go to ismap.org, that is I-S-M-P-P dot org to learn more. I'm Kelly Soldovan.